Well, welcome to another edition of the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor at Light Reading. Hi, and I'm Jason Lovingood. I'm vice president of technology policy, product, and standards here at Comcast. Great. Well, hey, Jason, thanks for joining the podcast today. Nice to connect with you here. Uh, yeah, thanks. So, thanks for having yeah, me. Sure thing. So um, we're here to dig into the, uh, the recent announcement that Comcast has kicked off field trials of low latency DOCSIS, right? I think it's a, a capability that we've been hearing about in the industry for years. So uh, maybe just to get everybody's bearings, uh, have you talk a little bit about the size, scope, and purpose of the trials that are getting underway? Sure. So in terms of the, the nature of the trials, we're testing um, really the, the DOCSIS instantiation of an IETF standard, um, which is called low latency, low loss, scalable throughput, which is a long, long word, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or, or a series of words, long phrase, which we just call L4S at the ITF. And it essentially is dual queue networking. So it creates a second network queue for low latency uh, or latency sensitive traffic. And so our trial is about trying that in a DOCSIS access network. And um, in particular, trying it on our virtual CMTS platform and seeing how that works in the last mile, you know, and in the home network, uh, along with some application partners. So it's really end to end testing, not just the access network itself. Um, we just opened up um, volunteers um, to, to join the trial or, or volunteer to see if they're qualified to join the trial late last week. And um, we've been um, you know, seeing some good response so far. Our hope is to start sometime in July. So a couple weeks or three weeks out from now um, is when we'll begin. And those trials will run for a few months as we iron out all the bugs and see what we, what we learn in terms of performance. Right. And uh, you kind of explained kind of this dual, did you say it was, uh, what did you dual call queue. it? Dual queue, right. So yeah. um, for uh, obviously you're pretty close to the standards and how this works, but for people who maybe don't understand kind of what that means, can you kind of walk us through how that works in the low latency DOCSIS uh, context? Yeah, I think, you know, if we step up um, a little bit, you know, sort of up the level and, and look at this at a, a higher level view, a good way to think about it is at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we had lots of people shifting to work from home and learning from home for school and so on. And in some cases, people had symmetric gigabit connections in their home, and yet they still had Zoom problems or they still had, you know, gaming latency issues and so on. And the reason wasn't a lack of bandwidth, right? It wasn't because they didn't have a gigabit connection. They did. Um, and it wasn't um, you know, anything along those lines. It was really a latency problem, and it was a latency under load problem. Um, and to give the, the full background, a lot of times when people in our industry talk about latency, it's what we would now call idle latency. It's just a ping test, let's say, and it reflects the really the physical nature and the distance of a path. So fiber to the home might be, you know, five to 10 milliseconds of round trip time. You know, DOCSIS might be 10 or 15 milliseconds. Um, you know, geostationary satellite might be, you know, dozens or a hundred milliseconds or something like that. But that's when the connection's not being used. And that is not a real world 
scenario. Um, the real world is people are using their connection. They're going to have several devices on the network at the same time. And you might be, you know, on a video conference um, with a colleague at the same time that your kid is watching Netflix and somebody else is playing a game. Somebody else took a picture with their, you know, mobile phone and it's doing a cloud backup. All these things happen at the same time, multiple flows. Some of those flows are very latency sensitive, like your gaming, like your video conferencing, but others are not. Others are queue building, and I'll use that, you know, say the iCloud backup of the photo that you just took. You don't really notice if that happened in a second or in five seconds or really, you know, at all. And the problem with sort of today's internet, um, which I think the, the ITF concludes, is that there are really fundamentally two different types of traffic. There's latency sensitive where people are really sensitive to delay or lag. And there's this other stuff, which is not latency sensitive, which they would describe as queue building, where you want to build up a queue. You want to maximize the bandwidth of that connection, but you don't care about, you know, the amount of time it takes. I mean, you do care, but it's not within milliseconds of, or seconds of, of, of care, if you will. And so what the ITF concluded was that essentially we have these two different types of traffic. And one way uh, to solve this is to create a second network processing queue um, that essentially is going to have a very shallow buffer in the, that queue. And so it's great for low latency traffic where you know having audio and video precisely in sync really matters. Where having that really, you know, real-time game experience matters, or AR and VR experience is important, um, but you don't necessarily need hundreds of megabits per second of bandwidth or gigs per second of bandwidth. Um, and if you think yeah, it's about like a different you know, equation, right? Yeah, you're not yeah, worried about a different equation. the full speed. Yeah, right. Okay. And in the past, you know, the ITF and and many of us in the network community often thought that you had a choice between very low latency or very high bandwidth, that you had to pick one or the other. And essentially what the ITF and the industry is coming to a conclusion on with this type of a standard is that you can have both. You can have ultra low latency at the same time as you can have really high bandwidth. And um, and that's a bit of a, a revolution in a way, um, and it'll take a while. But in the future, if you think about this type of standard allowing a network to get to sub 10 milliseconds working latency, you know, when that connection's being used, instead of today, we would see hundreds of milliseconds or sometimes whole seconds of delay um, in a lot of networks, you know, that's a game changer. And there, you know, if you think about application developers, there's a whole UI um, sort of language they've created around this with spinning wheels of, you know, mm -hmm. delay, buffering, these kind of things, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff can go away because the queues go away. Um, and you might have the same kind of delay to get something on the network that you have with something that's a local, locally connected thing in your network or in your device today, which is a, you know, potentially a game changer for cloud technology and certainly would be for, you know, AR and VR. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And, and as far as like what you're targeting, then is it for low latency docs, is it in that sub 10 millisecond arena and uh, and again how does that kind of relate to where doxis is today yeah with the latency yeah that is where we're yeah. exactly that that is where we're targeting um in the access network under load so under like pretty high utilization of the link 
and then looking at the 99th percentile. So sort of the worst case max latency, you know, of about 10 milliseconds. And we think that's achievable, but you know, we'll see. That's one thing we want to prove out here in the trial. Um, today with a DOCSIS 3.1 device, you know, before low latency or without low latency, DOCSIS 3.1, you're going to have active queue management or AQM um, in our network with a D3.1 device. And in the access network, you know, you might see anywhere from 25 to 250 milliseconds of delay under that mm. level of load. Um, and pre DOCSIS 3.1, DOCSIS 3.0 or 2.0, um, you know, you, you're going to see high hundreds of milliseconds, maybe whole seconds. And, you know, you might say, oh, even 200 milliseconds or 100 milliseconds sounds great. The challenge is that each of these round trips, you know, you're stacking these on top. If you're fetching certain things for web pages or you're doing certain things in apps, a lot of times you're doing multiple round trips. So you're taking whatever that delay is and you think, oh, you know, 10 milliseconds is great. You might be doing 10 of those to 10 round trips, you know, subsequently oh, um, to, to, to get your application experience. It adds up very yeah. quickly. Um, and so, you know, getting yeah. those as low as possible is a big deal. Yeah. And when you're um, talking about low latency DOCSIS, right, because I know it was part of like an annex to the uh, 3.1 specs. It's part of the 4.0 mm -hmm. specs. So will low latency DOCSIS really focus on 3.1 and 4.0 uh, primarily, or, or can you actually apply it to 2.0 for if you have 2.0 modems still out there? Yeah, no, we do, we certainly do have two of them out there. I guess three yeah, O's. Yeah, hopefully not a lot of two O's out there. But yeah, there, there, yeah. there's still a few probably customer owned and managed. I'd, okay. I'd like to get rid of them and the three O's, but um, yeah. but yeah, it, it won't go down to three O and two O modems. It's going to be a DOCSIS okay. three one and, and forward kind of a thing. Okay. And for us in our network, we'll really couple it to our migration to the virtual CMTS platform. And okay. we were doing, you know, mid split and and uh, and FDX eventually. Okay, great. And then, um, like I mentioned up front, we've been talking about low latency DOCSIS for quite a while. Again, going back yep. to the the addition, uh, the enhancement to the three one uh, specifications. But as you kind of look at the uh, the standard you're talking about here and the uh, where the technology is at at, at this stage. Why do you think the timing is now right to, to move forward with the trials mm -hmm. with an eye on uh, commercial uh, availability? Uh, is it because right. the underlying technologies have matured to a certain point or or is it the standard that that's the big deal or kind of, I imagine yeah. everything had to come together, but just want to get a feel what the timing was. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's a few things, um, not not one thing by itself. First, I think the standards are there. So um, both at the ITF with um, the first three RFCs for L4S coming out and then additional um, uh, RFCs coming soon for the non-queue building drafts. So you sort of have standards getting done at the ITF for experimental work. You have the implementation of that being done in DOCSIS with LLD. And then for us, you have this critical mass of VCMTS deployment happening. So we've got enough of a base, you know, in our access network to be able to be able to try this in a bunch of different places. And that's important because 
what this depends upon is end user application developers marking their traffic, right? And if you're an application developer, you don't really want to do it for, you know, every network by itself or for a very small, you know, area of penetration in a network. You want to know that you can get to some level of scale. And so you've got some other um, folks in that community that have done work. Apple, you know, just had some additional news at the Worldwide Developers Conference. They've been a leader in implementing L4S for some of their applications like FaceTime. Um, and you have others, you know, now, um, you know, you've got additional ones. Um, I know Xbox has a sort of experimental implementation of low latency docs as you can turn on in one of their config menus. You know, some of other other partners um, you know, have uh, have been working on applications as well, which is great. So, you know, like NVIDIA, for example, with their, you know, cloud gaming service and uh, and so on. So you've got yeah. all of those folks, um, you know, that are, have been doing work on their side to get ready for this. So it's sort of all those moving parts coming together and sort of a perfect storm yeah. in a way of so, the industry being ready. Yeah, so kind of a, a look at it from a broader ecosystem yeah. lens versus, hey, just our little our particular piece of it. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, and I think you mentioned a little bit about kind of what the next steps are, right? I think you, you said uh, July was kind of a, a target here. So, um, so I was wondering if you can expand a little bit on, on those next steps and uh, what you need to iron out, I guess, to before you can maybe uh, green light this from a commercial aspect or availability maybe later this year? Yep. Yeah, that's a good question. So we've got a few things that um, are going to go on. The first, the folks that have, you know, submitted interest and said, you know, they want to test first, we have to make sure that they're on a VCMTS. So we sort of have that hurdle um, to go through. And then are they on the right modem? So we have four different modems, two of which are our gateways and two of which are retail gateways or cable modems that people can use. So that's sort of the you know, the sort of first foundational thing that we're looking through. Um, and then beyond that, um, we have to get the marking working. So um, we've got to make sure that um, that we have first in our network um, the ECN marking or the DSCP marking upstream and downstream happening. And that's sort of a, a problem because in a lot of cases prior to this, a network would bleach those marks or sort of overwrite them. So we have to make sure that they pass end to end between us and some of our application partners. Um, so that's sort of one step is to make sure that, you know, at layer three, that those marks are passing back and forth. And then in our gateways, in our XB gateways, which run the RDKB software, we have to also make sure that that is that marking passing is passing along into the Wi-Fi network. And that's pretty important because the Wi-Fi network is often the biggest bottleneck in the house, and um, and you know their marking, you know, sort of framework is very different from the way that the ITFs work, and so you know we've got to make sure that sort of that translation happens, um, so that it's using a separate queue in the Wi-Fi network, and you know that's performing as expected. So that's sort of the first, is sort of that that you know network layer. Um, you know, sort of layer two in Wi-Fi, layer three um, in the IP network and in Doxis. And then beyond that, um, testing with partners and their applications themselves is sort of the next phase to say, okay, now we're going to introduce some load and we'll have some customers, you know, using their connections normally or generating some yeah. load if they don't have enough. And, you know, 
do whatever, play your game right now under high load. How is it performing? And are the packets being marked correctly? And, you know, what is the application um, partner seeing on their servers? You know, and, you know, certainly all of them, if you think about it, you know, those app providers, they have their own proprietary QOE metrics, quality of experience metrics on their app side. And so, you know, we, we don't have access to that, but they can tell us, you know, oh, our metrics are looking good. They're as expected or they're better than maybe the baseline control for a network that didn't have these things. And those are really the the two key components. Um, and of course, we want to make sure that existing traffic, you know, works fine. And, and that's, a, we have every expectation that is going to be the case, but you know, anytime you introduce a change like this, you want to make sure that, you know, not only does the new stuff work right, but nothing with yeah, you don't want to impact. <laughs> like, right, exactly, it's sure. changed. That's <clears throat> exactly right. Okay. Well, you had brought yeah. up um, Wi-Fi. I wanted to jump ahead on that one. Um, yeah. Does uh, is there a particular version of Wi-Fi that you need to support what you're doing with low latency DOCSIS? Right? Do you do you need um, Wi-Fi six or six E or is Wi-Fi seven going to be really important? Um, and maybe you'll find this out in the, uh, right. the test, but I was wondering what your, your thoughts are, at least at this point. Um, it doesn't really matter too much which version of Wi-Fi you're on. I think obviously if you're on a newer Wi-Fi version, it's going to be way better. So okay. certainly we have preferenced our newest gateways because they'll have newer versions of Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, for customers that own their own access point in the home, you know, we would encourage them to do um, something newer. In, in particular, I think the thing that is worth mentioning for people um, that have their own Wi-Fi network at home um, and maybe managing it, or even if they have ours, is absolutely do pods in their homes to distribute Wi-Fi more effectively and use yeah. um, Ethernet backhaul instead of Wi-Fi backhaul. Um, that Those two things will um, really help from a latency and, and a capacity standpoint um, in <clears throat> Wi-Fi. But yeah, I mean, newer Wi-Fi is better, but you know, should work on, but, on all of them. And then if you but think not about a big the, gating factor, then like oh we got not wait. a big gating factor. No. Okay, yeah, no, and I and I think you know all of the app partners that we have right now, you know Valve and Nvidia and Apple, um, you know for them it's it's a Wi-Fi or, or IP connection. You know it doesn't matter which version of Wi-Fi. Okay, yeah, gotcha. And then um, I realize you know the the trials are really going to focus on low latency DOCSIS. Doxus network, <clears throat> excuse me, but you're also doing Comcast, um, a lot of fiber to the premises, right? Either that's right, with yeah. Gigabit Pro or what you're doing with DAA, where you can run fiber off that and run off the, the virtual CMTS. So, in those instances, and and maybe it's beyond the scope of the uh, this trial, but um, maybe further down the road, can the standard that you're using also apply? to fiber of the prem and, and kind of fit into your your network architecture moving forward under that kind of 10g banner yeah for sure it can um and ironically enough right before this meeting i i grabbed an espresso with the new hire that's my uh, fiber to the home product person okay um, his name's ryan and you know he just started uh i think a week and a half ago to bring more focus to um the, the pawn uh, offerings but you know, for us, um, you know, it's a flexible, you know, the 10G network is very flexible in that last mile. 
And so, you know, with DAA, that last mile can be, you know, uh, FDX and with mid, or mid split, or it can be, you know, PON and our greenfield builds, particularly where we have a rural, rural um, grants are going to be PON, obviously. Um, but even when you have fiber, and this is the important thing to keep in mind, on the end-to-end link, if you think about um, IP and TCP, there is always a bottleneck link someplace on the end-to-end path between your endpoint going over a Wi-Fi or Ethernet LAN through the access network, through a, a, a you know a regional backbone um, and national backbone over interconnects between networks to a server you know on the other end. Somewhere in that chain, there is some network that is more constrained um, than something else. And that bottleneck is where a second queue can make a difference. And that bottleneck might be different in the upstream and downstream directions, and it may also change over time. So I think we're in a world today where the bottleneck is almost always in the home network or in the ISP access network, upstream and downstream, you know, might differ a little bit. But even as you do symmetric gigabit to the home, there are still going to be those bottlenecks and it's probably still going to be inside the user's home or on that first hop or at the first point of aggregation in an ISP's network. Um, And again, I think the the thing that we have to get people past is that it's, you know, we often think of bandwidth as the proxy for quality of experience for a user and the way to make the experience, quote, better is to throw more bandwidth at it. And right. I think we're more in an era now with, is, right, more yeah, speed is better. Mm-hmm. And I think we're now yeah. entering this, what I would call the post gigabit era, um, where there, you know, the utility of that, um, the sort of incremental utility of an extra gig is not as big as it was <clears> when <throat> you had, you know, you went from one meg to 10 megs or something like that. Right. And so as the, the marginal utility of the additional bandwidth is is not what it once was. There are these other factors that emerge as pretty big influencers on customer quality. And that's, you know, things like working latency or what Apple would describe it as network responsiveness, reliability, you know, security services, Wi-Fi, you know, those kind of things. So it's important, you know, when we think about PON, it's no less critical to have low latency um, low working latency, you know, better network responsiveness in that situation. And there's still a bottleneck link, no matter, you know, what you have at that access point. Interesting. Well, yeah, you brought up the point that, um, in the post gigabit world, yeah. Uh, the way you look at services, maybe, maybe needs to be changed in terms of what else is important, right. Beyond speed. And, uh, and I realize you're, you're focused on the engineering and the standards activities yeah. around low latency doxis, but um, can you offer any expectations on how you know low latency doxis will be rolled in commercially? Uh, well, do you would would you expect it to be? Hey, this is a premium add-on or something that gets bundled into the core product, and, and it's like, right. hey, it's not only fast; it's also low latency, and and right. it's a differentiator in that in that sense. Well, I think it's it's one of these things that uh, you know we'll have to see first. Does it work in the field? <laughs> That's okay. sort of the first, first things first. first check mark. <laughs> yeah, first things first. So, yeah. does it work? Um, and uh, you know, all indications are that it will. But yeah, that's <clears throat> uh, that's the first step. And then after that, I, I think 
during this trial period, you know, between now and, and uh, end of year is when our product team is really trying to decide how exactly to productize it. And um, I think they're to some extent waiting to see about some of the user experiences and they want to see it and experience it themselves. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll see, you know, where they come out. From my standpoint, um, it, it's one of these things that I believe um, benefits greatly from network effects. And so if you think about it in that context, um, you know, the more applications you have marking for low latency, the more valuable a network is that has dual queue capabilities. And so, you know, if you were just to sort of think about that in the abstract, you would say we'd want that to be available as widely as possible. Um, on the other hand, you know, there are a bunch of normal things that we do today to segment customers where, you know, you get a higher speed and other features, you know, at a slightly higher price. So I think we'll see, um, you know, a little bit to be determined there. Um, there are certain user segments that we know respond really well to this message and really understand, I would say, in a very visceral sense and with their pocketbook about latency and lag, and that's gamers, really hardcore gamers. And this is in part why, you know, Valve and uh, NVIDIA are partners for the trial. Um, you know, they are very willing to spend on a really cool home network that is like amazingly bulletproof and performs great and do whatever kind of cool yeah. stuff, crazy stuff for their gaming rig, uh -huh. you know, whatever it happens yeah. to be. I mean, that's cool to see. And I love getting folks like that in our, you know, field trials because they, you know, love nerding out on the stuff and testing and pushing <laughs> the limits. But, yeah. you know, you might reasonably say that, you know, that might be um, a, a segment that understands that initially, but, you know, we we'll, don't, don't know what the outcome will be, uh, but we'll see. And okay. the one thing to, you know, very quickly to go back on for a second, as you were mentioning some of the standards, um, one of the last um, ITF meetings I was at um, was back in March of this year. You know, they happen three times a year. The next one's in July. And back in March, um, that network had a thousand people at peak hour using that network. And it was a 10 gig symmetric connection and, and they had two for backup purposes, but, you know, consider it a 10 gig symmetric connection for 1000 of the world's, you know, top internet engineers simultaneously at peak hour using it. And if I recall, peak downstream usage was something in the 860 megabit per second range and upstream was like 650 megabits. Um, so I, I just, it makes me chuckle sometimes to think about, you know, a thousand of the busiest, you know, uh, smartest network engineers in the world in one place, you know, weren't able to, to exercise a, even one gig symmetric. Um, right. It's so like I, thought, the, the I was, I was fascinated by push that. the envelope. Yeah. And they're, they're right. still. Yeah, right. That, but the thing that they were certain, but they were certainly sensitive to, you know, any time, a type of audio and video delays for the people that were you know, yeah. joining virtually in the conference proceedings. And so, you know, that says latency is a pretty big factor there, um, you know, as a, an yeah. emergent network attribute, if you will. Okay. Well, great. Yeah, you talked um, about some of the initial partners, Apple, NVIDIA, Valve, uh, some yeah. interesting use cases. Uh, you, you explained that. Now, when you made the announcement uh, last week, um, what was the reaction from the developer community after you made that, right? Did you, did you get a flood of, uh, of interest or, you know, mm -hmm. just, just a few here and there? What was kind of the initial uh, reaction, I guess? 
Yeah, it was it was very positive. Um, we actually had a few folks already reach out, and you know, it's not even. Uh, I don't think you know. Maybe it's a little bit past one full business day uh, since the announcement, and right. we had a couple of large. <laughs> it was Friday yeah. at like noon or something. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we we've had a couple of large developers reach out and uh, are interested in uh, also participating, and um, and some smaller ones we've been in discussions with for a little while as well. So I think it's good interest um, for them. It is, you know, the, the easiest way to do this, and sort of the easiest way to make this available to them is great. The and and I think if if you put yourself in the shoes of the developer and you think about it, I think that this sort of ITF L4S <clears throat> kind of uh, uh, an approach that's in low latency <clears throat> docs is more appealing than a five G network slicing type of a thing. Yeah, because in that scenario, if you think about it, and this is one of the reasons why I don't think that'll succeed all that well, it's like you have a, for every mobile network operator a sort of a different way of maybe implementing it, and different you know sort of ways of sort of calling their network API, if you will, and so you end up doing all these custom integrations for different network operators. And yes, maybe there aren't that many mobile networks, and so you know you don't have a huge number, you know, but it still is probably hundreds around the world, right? And that's a lot of complexity. Yeah. Whereas if you write to the the ITF um, standard <clears throat> and you say, okay, I'm going to use ECN and I'm going to mark my traffic with ECT1 or DSCP45, um, you do that and it should work for any network that supports that. And so I like the usability from that standpoint. They can also test it on their own pretty easily. That's one of the things that Apple did at the uh, Worldwide Developers Conference is they explained to their developer community how they can test it, how they can have their applications use L4S. So I, to me, it seems like a, a lower lift um, for the developer community and they get a more ubiquitous deployment eventually when other networks start to su support this. Um, and while we are early, this same type of technology can be, um, you know, used in 5G networks and in fiber networks and you name it. Um, you know, Nokia, I think it was, did a, a 5G network demo about a year ago in, in July um, at one of the other ITF hackathons. <clears throat> so, you know, it, it, other networks will follow eventually, but, you know, we think we've got a bit of a lead here. Okay. Great. And the last thing I want to ask you about is probably kind of a trickier kind of question, right? And that is, yeah. you know, the network neutrality uh, term always comes up no matter, you know, uh, what you're doing sometimes, including yep. low latency docs, as I'm sure. So there's probably no avoiding that um, <clears throat> that you and other operators are going to get questions, right, about network neutrality uh, from from the network neutrality advocates out, uh, out there about this. So, um, we, we did cover this um, on light reading side a, uh, a year or two ago, but mm -hmm. now to, to walk through it, but can you explain why low latency docs adheres to the, the net neutrality principles and why it doesn't create like this express lane that, you know, some of right. the advocates tend to be a little concerned about? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question and uh, certainly one that we knew we would get. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I've been talking to uh, sort of network neutrality advocates for well over a year about this, you know, as the standard was still being discussed and finalized at the ITF. And I think there are really two key points here to bear in mind. The first is that 
you know, latency and having the second queue is not the same as bandwidth for speed, and it's not the same as prioritization. And so a lot of times when people think yeah. about fast lanes and slow lanes and, and network discrimination in the net neutrality sense, it is when you are prioritizing some traffic over others and therefore giving it access to bandwidth and giving less bandwidth to something else. Um, and generally that means that you know the assumption you're making is that there is not enough bandwidth and you might have some you know congestion or more competition for available bandwidth than um you know than than you really uh, want to have and so um you have to sort of pick a winner or a loser in that sense by prioritizing one or deprioritizing another um and you don't have that here because the low latency traffic is using the same and sharing the same overall bandwidth and it is sharing the same best efforts priority as sort of classic internet traffic. And so just from that level, you know, there's not that deprioritization or higher prioritization, you know, in the access network or northbound, and you're not giving it, you know, more bandwidth or something like that. I think though, it does point out that a lot of times when people think about latency in the sense of how they experience it on the internet, they oftentimes think, oh, that seems faster because it's like quicker round trip time. And but in the network sense, that's not prioritization, that's not bandwidth, that's that's latency. And so maybe as network engineers, we've done a, a poor job of explaining that over time. But so I, I think that's the first thing. It shares the same overall bandwidth, it shares the same best effort priority. Um, and so I think it's good from that standpoint. However, that being said, this is like any other technology. You know, technology can be implemented well and really compliant with and mindful of net neutrality uh, and really op open internet kinds of things um, or not. And so the one, the one important thing that is notable here is that this standard involves the application developer marking their packets. And so the network operator, at least in the way that we are choosing to implement it, and we're advocating for other networks to similarly implement <clears throat> in this way, is to really only look at how the application is marking their traffic and to honor that marking through the network, rather than trying to have a DPI-like thing looking at the traffic flow right. and trying to infer, oh, I think this is real-time traffic. And, and have that determine gonna, that. Yeah, it's right. going to the and, other side. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I can yeah. tell you from years ago, you know, coming in and trying to solve like what we were doing with uh, Sandvine traffic and, you know, developing a, a protocol agnostic system, you know, systems that try to look at network traffic and infer what they are and make decisions will always have sort of a false positive and do something bad. Back then, as an example, we incorrectly identified Lotus Notes traffic as peer-to-peer -peer and oops, you know, caused <laughs> yeah. some Lotus Notes problems. So I would guarantee if you tried to do that here, you'd probably, um, you know, have somebody that identified traffic that wanted to be queue building like a file download and they, you know, oops, put in the low latency one and it ended up being slower, took more time or whatever. Oh, I see. And I'm sure there's no, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's no shortage of equipment vendors that would want to go out and try to make that pitch. Um, and I just don't think it's worth the hassle. And I think it creates a lot of policy problems. So the approach we've taken, um, which I think is the right one from a net neutrality standpoint is yeah. the applications are the one that's marking. They know the application the best. Uh, they know what 
their their network needs are. They should tag their traffic, and our job is to really honor that marking, um, you know, and, and act on it through our network. Okay, well, good. Yeah, we'll have to uh, see what the reactions are as the uh, the trials get underway and you move towards uh, commercial availability. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. I think that's where we're going to wrap things up for today. But uh, again, I appreciate spending some time with you and, and having you discuss the uh, the low latency DOCSIS project. So I'll look forward to uh, staying in touch as the tests uh, progress and uh, LLD becomes available on a commercial basis. So thanks again for joining us. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Jason. Yep.